You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate. Today we are talking about money. And so for some of you, I know you're excited about this. You're like, money, let's talk about money. Let's, let's get into it. And others of you are like, how do I leave without being noticed because this is really awkward. In fact, we're really all over the spectrum with this. Some of this is like, this is um, stuff that's like so real. We want to talk about this. What does Jesus have to say? And others are like, that is really private. Why would we bring this in? This is a, this is a personal matter. And so uh, really the, the truth is, is that Jesus talks about money. In fact, he talks about money more than he talks about heaven. And we're generally okay with talking about heaven. And so if Jesus talks about money more than that, it probably means that there's something that we need to talk about. So the reality is, as we get into this, oftentimes our spirituality can be kind of in these compartments and we're like, hey, this is my spiritual life and this is my non-spiritual life. And money is such a tangible thing that we interact with so much of our lives. There's so much uh, that we orient our, our, our attention to it and we interact with it on a daily basis. We've got to figure out how to fuse that together. In fact, one of the things of our church is trying to figure out how is it that our spirituality and our, our reality and the rest of our lives, how does that begin to inter, intermix, that we integrate those things together. And that is a huge thing for our church, is that we live integrated lives, that we don't live isolated, um, siloed lives with our spirituality, but it is actually connected together. And when that happens, what happens is that we experience a kind of, uh, de- of, of contentment and satisfaction and really freedom as we begin to merge these two things together. And so Jesus has a lot to say about this. The Bible has a lot to say about this. It's a big deal. So I want to get into this and really try to extract some truths and, uh, and hopefully these are things that really help us together to be able to understand, hey, what is our relationship with money and, and why is this important for us to understand? Uh, the first thing I want us to really focuses, focus on is, is really how Jesus talks about um, really how money changes us. So he says this in, uh, in Matthew 6, 21, it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, maybe it doesn't mean that money changes us. Now, that, that could be, or the more money can change us. But really what happens is that money reveals what is already in our heart. That, that money is like this window into our soul and window into our heart. That our relationship with money uh, really reveals who we are and it reveals whose we are. It shows us the narrative of our life. If we were to look through our, our bank stake statement or our, uh, our credit card statements, really something that shows us where our money goes, there's a narrative there that really reveals the priorities of our lives, that reveal what our hearts are oriented to, that reveals something about us. And the great thing about this is money, money is tangible, money is trackable, and it shows us really the, the, the direction of our affection. And so, as we think about this, um, one of the things that I think is essential is for you to understand where your money is going. Like, what are you spending your money on? Now, you might in this moment be able to understand that. You, you might be able to uh, think, okay, if I, if I was just, just kind of thinking, where do I spend my money? There might be some hints and whispers uh, of, of really stuff that you already know exists. Like, this is, this is what 
my heart is, is oriented towards. And this is what Jesus is saying. Um, and the beauty, beauty of what Jesus is saying is it's, it's, it's something that goes both directions. It's, it's not something that we just need to repent of, but it's something that we could celebrate too, that, that, that really where our treasure is, there our hearts are as well. That if we live a generous life, if we live a life that's oriented towards not just fulfilling our needs, but others around us, that we could begin to celebrate that. Uh, but if we begin to look in this and we begin to realize, realize that our money shows what we love and maybe it shows that we love stuff and maybe that's different stuff for different people, but it, it's stuff that you have that really you uh, are secretly, um, your affection is oriented towards, or maybe it's experiences. Maybe you love experiences. You love travel. You love something new. You like the next thing. And, and that really reveals that thing that you love and your desire. Uh, maybe it is on the other side of it that you like security and you like having money in the bank because you don't know what's out there. You don't want to know what's next. There's a lot of volatility and chaos. And for you being able to have that in the bank allows you to be able to say, hey, my heart is based upon something that is stable, secure, and that allows me to experience this sense of satisfaction. So uh, really, as we think about how we live our lives, um, really what we're talking about is what do we do with the extra money in our lives? So when we think about uh, really everything that we have to make a decision on in our life, um, it's about really not what we what, what, what are required of us, right? There's just some things that we have, just have to have to survive, but really what do we do with the rest? And what when we have extra money, Really, what do we do with that extra money? And that's the question for you, and that's a question for me. Because that reveals what Jesus is after, right? So Jesus is going after not our money. He's going after our heart. And uh, as far as we know, we look in the scripture, Jesus never asked for money, but he talked a lot about money because it reveals our heart. And the part of money that we have to really orient our focus on for this is, is the stuff that we have extra. Now, when I think about saying, hey, the extra money that you have, you might think, I don't have any extra money, Keith. Like, I don't possess any extra money. And, and technically, that might be true, that you might think that every dollar that you have uh, that, that comes into your world is, is, is designated. And oftentimes, um, what happens is we live right up to the means that we have, right? So, so we think about um, we don't really have extra money because all of that money has this place that it's, that it's going to. And so um, when we think about that, um, we have to be honest with ourselves and, and realize that we probably don't actually have those needs that we think we have. And uh, we can unpack this and be able to say, hey, what do we actually need to live? Like, what do we physically need to live? And I think if we do that, we realize there's all kinds of stuff that we spend our money on that we don't need to spend our money on. There's all kinds of things that we do that are reflective of really what it looks like to be people that live in an abundance. Or if we look around the rest of the world, we would say we are rich. Now, we might not think of ourselves because we already have all those needs that are based upon the context that we live in. We're like, I just have to have this. This is just what this is just what I need. But if we take a step back, really what we begin to see is there's something underneath this. And, and this is what Jesus says to us in a profound way um, when he show, shares with us, really in Luke um, 12, 15, here's what he says. He says, watch out. <laughs> Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now, 
we don't like to hear the, the G word greed. In fact, I've never heard someone say, hey, you know what my problem is? I'm greedy. Uh, you know what my financial issue is? I'm greedy. Um, we just don't think about that. And, and I don't think of myself like that. You likely don't think of yourself like that. But the problem is that Jesus, who knows our hearts, shares with us that we should have this alarm bell going off about the greed in our lives. And this idea of watch out. So here's this thing, be on your guard. Now, are you on your guard with greed? Am I on my guard with greed? I mean, if we're being honest with each other, probably not. It's probably not one of those things that we're like, hey, you know what? I need to be asking myself consistently if I'm being greedy. The thing is, we just don't think of ourselves as greedy. We, we think of ourselves, maybe we think, oh, I'm careful, or, you know, maybe I'm good with money, uh, but I've never heard anybody actually say, hey, you know, here's the reality, this, I'm just greedy. But when we begin to press into this, it, it might be because we have really a poor understanding of the idea of greed. So let me give you a quick, just simple definition. That, that greed is this, greed is the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. Let me say that again. Greed is the assumption that what I have is for my consumption. It's the consumption assumption. So when we think about uh, what we have, what we possess, what, what, what we think we own, when we begin to think primarily what I am thinking, the lens that I use towards that is that this is for my consumption, that, that this is here to do something for me, like this is the element of greed. What, do you, what does he say? He says this, for life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. That life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Underneath that, here's what's, what Jesus is saying. Hey, the actual thing that you um, desire most, the thing that will ultimately be satisfied is not something that takes batteries, is not something that can be found in this material world. It's not something that you will buy with any amount of money. This like life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And that's the difficulty is that we have fallen into the trap. And this is this Western idea that the more we consume, the happier we will be. And the world around you is painting a picture for you and trying to get you to believe in this idea that your consumption will ultimately lead to your satisfaction that whatever this is, right, there's all kinds of different avenues for you to consume, but the world is trying to help you to be able to say, hey, you just, if you consume more, you're just, you're just right on the edge. If you got 30% more of this, this is always this thing, right? And, and for those of you who are older, you've probably lived through this where you, you remember being satisfied with something, maybe a smaller house, maybe a not as cool car, maybe whatever it is that was your thing, you, at some point you were like really satisfied with that and then somehow you upgraded it, right? That thing that you, you were like, oh, actually I want something newer. I want something better. We fall into this consumption assumption cycle that we just think, hey, I, um, I'm just really thinking through this lens that, 
that everything around me is there for me to be able to consume. And what happens is that often, oftentimes we have, uh, you know, various different ways to do this. Some people are spenders, right? And they have that, like the idea of their consumption is being able to spend. The other side is this, is there are people who are savers, right? But at the end of the day, it, it looks pretty similar because this idea is this is all to fulfill a need that I have. And so here's what Jesus says, watch out. Watch out against all kinds of greed. So here's what I want to say to us, Resonate. We, we should not think that we are an exception to this rule. We must think that Jesus is speaking right to our very souls, that there's something about us and our lives that, are, uh, that we're open to the temptation and to falling into the temptation of greed in some areas where we believe that what we have is for our consumption. We go to another truth. The minute we think we own money, it begins to own us. The minute we think we own money, it owns us. This is the idea of the difference between being a manager and an owner. A manager and an owner. So when we begin to understand the way we interact with our money, Really, there's two ideas here. And Jesus tells a, a parable in Matthew 25. And it's a, we won't go into the entire parable, but there's a key part for us to understand that really helps us to, to be able to navigate um, really the, the lens by which we see our resources. It says this in Matthew chapter uh, 25, verse 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another he gave two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. Now the rest of this parable, uh, it, it outlines two of the servants being able to take what is given by the master and multiplying it. And another one being able to simply bury it. He comes back and begins to say, to the ones that have multiplied, we're going to double what they have given, and then we're going to take it away from the one who didn't manage my wealth well. But here's the thing. In all these parables, there's always a God figure and there's an us figure. In this parable, what we begin to see is the wealthy man, um, that's the God figure. And then the servants, that's, that's the us figure. Now, in this, what we begin to see is that the wealthy man, right, he gives this wealth to his servants, right? He, he, he begins to, to give it to them, right? To own? No, to manage. And as we think about really our lives and we begin to think about all this, it's tricky for us oftentimes because we work for stuff. Our name is on a paycheck, right? It begins to communicate all these, uh, all these hints to us that we are these owner of this, that it is, it is our possession. And yet when we begin to see really how this whole thing works in, in the economy of Jesus, it's really more about us understanding ourselves as managers, being able to have gifts that are given to us and not owners. And when we begin to operate as managers of God's wealth versus owners of our own wealth, it really begins to help us to be able to navigate that differently. We begin to ask, okay, I am to take what is entrusted to me and I'm to navigate how to make wise decisions according to the values of the owner. In according to the ways by which the owner would want this spent. And so this is, this is essential for us. When we begin to think, I am a manager, not an owner, our wealth begins to play a different role in, the, in, in our life. If we begin to think um, it, is, it is God's wealth that we get to manage, then, then what happens is our ability to be, 
to, to extract ourselves from that is massively uh, increased, right? So we begin to operate in freedom. We begin to operate in this way where we begin to say, and if this is God's, and, and, and if I begin to think about what does God want to do with his wealth, I mean, it begins to be clear how we can live in towards of not consumption, but generosity. That when we begin to think about what is this, what is the end of this? That, that if God has given me this, God has given me the ability to make money. God's been given me ability to manage money. What should I do with what God has given? Well, we begin to see how all of that works out in ways that begin with generosity. Now, as we think about this, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is really upside down to a lot of our ways to think. And when we think about how we manage our money, and oftentimes the way that we think about the priority of uh, of our money versus the kingdom priority, it can kind of get different. So let me give you the idea of kind of our, our, our tiers to how we can use our money. So if we begin to think about, we can spend it, we can save it, we can give it away. And oftentimes we do it in those three, that, that, that order, those three kind of uh, priorities that, that we begin to say, okay, if I have this money, then I can spend it. I can, I can spend it on whatever I want to make me happy to be able to do what I want to do. And then we take, and sometimes there's leftover and we save that. And then if there's some that we, we think, okay, we can, you know, give it away to God and to others. And, and that's typically the way that most, uh, most people think about their finances, that, that I'm here to spend and I'm going to spend until I, I, I get everything that I think I want. And then, and then I'm going to save a little, um, maybe there's some left over. And, and if there's any after that, then, well, then I can give that away to others. And yet here's what God says, or here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, just a little bit further down from or what we, where we were at earlier. It says this. So we think about how we're to orient towards the kingdom of God. It says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. So here's this interesting thing. As we begin to think about our wealth and we begin to think about really how this is oriented in the kingdom of God, if we think about this idea of spend, save, give. And if you just kind of put different words around that, we would have the idea of me, me, and then God and others. So when we begin to see Jesus talking about this, talking about this reality that, hey, it's a window to your soul. Hey, it is a, uh, a likelihood is that, that we think about this for our consumption. Um, and, and we begin to think about the way by which the kingdom works, right? And what happens when that orients differently and then Jesus gets to have say in this is that we begin to see this, this priority shift. Instead of beginning to go me, me, God, and others, we, we look at this and we understand that his kingdom and, and his righteousness really puts others first. Like this is what this is all about. As we think about um, God's kingdom is this, it's a kingdom that puts others first as the thing that is right. And as we think about how that operates, really what begins to happen is that has an implication, not in just a spiritual sense, but in a practical sense, in the tangible reality of your money. And so what does that look like? Maybe it looks like we invert that whole thing. And that looks like this, that we begin to say, the kingdom has this prioritization of generosity over consumption. So therefore that number one thing is God and others as the first thing. And we begin to see our finances, not in terms of how we say, the, the first thing is 
that I get this, but, but we begin to flip that around and begin to say, okay, actually freedom from this, uh, from, from our finances and freedom and satisfaction and contentment, it may start in a different place. Well, we begin to say, okay, this starts with God and this starts with others. And then it goes me. And that priority is a kingdom first priority. But this is not intuitive for us. I remember um, in one of the first times I really had to deal with, uh, with like costly generosity. Um, when I was a kid, I had piggy banks and I would give my money to, to the church and, and, and give away. Um, but, but, but frankly, those were, maybe they seemed like a big deal and it was uh, very small amounts of money. Um, but I remember this moment in college. Um, I'd been saving up for a guitar. And, uh, and as I look back on it, I'm not sure if I really wanted to play guitar or I just wanted to have girls like me. Um, it, that that could go either way. But uh, I, I was saying that I wanted to serve the church, wanted to lead worship, stuff like that. Maybe I just really wanted to uh, have girls like me. Um, and so I was saving up for this guitar because I thought, hey, if I play guitar, man, that is, that is the magnet. They, they will come, they will gather, you know, this is the, this is the thing. And so, uh, so I had this idea, if I get a guitar, I'm learning guitar, my guitar is terrible. If I get a great guitar, I go, I'll even be a better guitarist. I can plug in, I can be on stage. And then, you know, this will exacerbate this idea that girls um, would want to, uh, to know me. So, so I've been saving up for this guitar, right? And, uh, and then I have this moment where I begin to recognize um, that uh, this, this need around me, this, this idea of, of being generous um, just was impressed upon my heart. And, uh, and we were raising money for sending um, students to, to missions for the summer. And uh, I began to recognize God was calling me to give my guitar money to send students on these summer projects. And... Uh, and I didn't want to do it. Um, and then I felt compelled to do it. And there was this really amazing sense of uh, freedom from that. And, uh, and it was an amazing sense of just being able to say, I got to give towards something bigger than myself. And, and I remember uh, this really significant um, response to that. And this is not something that you should ever expect. This is not something that, uh, that I think that we should give as a result of. But, but I remember this reality of giving that money away and thinking, okay, I'm, I've lost my dream of, uh, of having this you know, guitar and what it's going to get me in terms of um, girls. And so then a couple of months later, miraculously, God opens the door and, 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 and I get this guitar, right? And, uh, and again, this is not the way, why you should give, but it was such a crystallized moments of like kingdom first living and this idea, and these things are going to be given to you as well. Again, I'm not trying to say if you do this for God, he's going to reward you in even bigger and better ways. Not, it's not a health and wealth thing, but the principle here is this idea that behind this, when we begin to say yes to God, man, that frees our hearts up. And that allows us to be able to say, okay, this is what allows um, really the truth of what is in us to come out. I grew more from that moment um, than really any other moment that I can think of around, uh, around college in terms of, uh, or in terms of giving. And, and it really oriented my heart towards God in a significant way. And so here's the thing. 
Um, ultimately, money is a tool. And when we begin to think of money not as something that is there to provide us meaning in life, but to be able to leverage towards um, ultimately how we want our life to end and how we want our life to count, money can be an incredible tool to providing meaning in our lives because our lives, if we're ultimately saying, hey, I'm, my life is ultimately to achieve something meaningful. The end of my life is to, is to do something, is to orient my life towards something with meaning. Man, this is a beautiful moment for us to be able to say, okay, how is it that I can use these resources that God has given us to be able to orient towards something that is ultimately meaningful? And I want you to get this, the accumulation of a consumption is not ultimately what it'll, at the end of your life, say, hey, this is how my life was so meaningful. That, that you think about what you're gonna be remembered for, uh, what, what you will have achieved. You're never going to go back to all the things you consumed. You're, it's never going to be like, man, look at how many places he, he went. Look at how full his passport was, right? It's not going to look at all these possessions. Like the thing that is going to be most significant in your life is the ultimately what it is going to be an end to, right? And how we do that with our money is key. So when we begin to think about how God has allowed us to use our money, what is it a means towards? I think about uh, living in Pullman for the last 17 years. For 17 years, there's been a company in Pullman that has operated these estate sales. And it's been the same. How do I know it's the same company? It's because it's been the same stenciled sign for 17 years. And I remember going to some of these estate sales you walk in and oftentimes it's because someone is, uh, maybe they've died or maybe they're making a transition. Um, but typically in a state cell, you know, it's, it's this thing where it's like, not just a, Hey, we have a few things in our garage, but it is, uh, it is one of those things like, Hey, everything this person really owns is up for sale. Like, and so they hire this estate sale to be able to, to liquidate all this stuff. And I think about uh, going into some of those places and thinking about, um, maybe you've done some of this stuff. You, you walk into this and you're like, this is a bunch of junk. Like this is, like, this is people collected this and, and ultimately it's, it's pretty, pretty meaningless. And those have been those moments where it's been, you know, kind of shaken for me. Like, so there'll be stuff that I'll, man, I'll be like researching and I want to buy. And then I think about these moments where at some point it's just going to be in the corner at an estate sale and someone's going to say, I'll give you two bucks for that, right? This is the clear thing for us when we begin to say, are we going to use our money for more experiences, for more stuff? Or is there another way? And as we begin to lean into this, that other way begins to reveal in us a different kind of life, a heart that's oriented towards something else, that we begin to recognize that the things that, and that we have possessions of aren't just here to fulfill an endless treadmill of consumption, but they're ultimately a gift that's given to us, a tool that can be used for something beyond ourselves. I think about um, the, the, the beautiful opportunity that I have to be able to talk to people who want to invest in Resonate Church. So oftentimes, uh, you know, in our church, uh, the resources that we need to do what God's called us to do are not just found in Resonate Church, but they're found outside of Resonate Church. So I get to be a part of really helping people to understand really what, what we're doing here. And it is incredible for me to hear um, really people 
You say, I want to use my money. I want to use this thing that God has gifted me to do something that's beyond me. I want to do something that is, that is meaningful. And they look at the opportunity to start churches on college campuses, and they begin to say, hey, the next generation, man, somebody told me about Jesus. Someone has to tell the next generation about Jesus. And they could use these money, and sometimes it's significant sums of money. And they could buy new cars, and they could put down payments on houses, and they could have really nice vacations. But instead, they're saying, hey, I want to be able to do something that's oriented towards the next generation. I had a conversation a couple of months ago with a man who lived in a significant distance from anywhere we have a church. And he said, I heard what you guys are doing. And I want to take this money and I want to leverage it towards something that's bigger than me. I want to be able to leverage it towards something that's going to affect eternity. And this is what this is all about. One of the things that Paul says to Timothy is this very, very thing. In 1 Timothy 6, it says this, verse 18, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold hold of life that is truly life. This is an incredible thing. So Paul is trying to say, hey, here's what I need you to help your people to understand, Timothy, that there's a sense of, uh, of significance to leveraging our wealth towards something beyond this life. Now, I think about this. We, we have money and um, you know, if you're in the United States and you're watching this, then this means something. You can take this and you can go um, get a coffee, you can go get a meal, you can go spend it on something. It, it means that this can be converted into whatever it is that you want to use, right? What, whatever you think, hey, this, this could be leveraged towards something um, that I want. This is, this is worth something. But I think about going to other places. I think about um, when I was in China and, uh, and think about this being uh, something that in China is worth something. But if I was to go and to bring this to Starbucks, um, you might say, hey, that, that was your first problem. You went to Starbucks. But uh, if I was to take that and I was to say, okay, um, could I get something for this? Um, they would say, well, well, no, you can't because we don't take... Chinese money, you know, or if I say, okay, what about this? Um, this is a, this is a $5 or five uh, euro note here, right? Uh, again, sir, we, we take American money, right? And I think about these moments where um, this is the, is the currency of another kingdom, right? It's the cur currency of another place. And if I was thinking about what do I, what do I do with this, right? It's, it's not worth anything in this place. It's not worth anything in this context. And I think about how we live our lives. And I think about how we are to orient our worlds um, and, and our resources. And if we begin to think about this, it says this, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Uh, for us to realize, here's what Paul's saying. If we put our hope and our heart into our money, thinking that it'll do something and then have a, have a sense of disregarding really the fact that our lives are vapor, 
and to be able to recognize that there is something that goes beyond this life. For us to begin to recognize that our money can be used to do something significant, but that significance is going to be shown in the coming age. It's going to be shown in eternity. And so instead of going back to this idea of this assumption of our consumption, and that being the thing that will ultimately give us satisfaction, we have to take and begin to recognize that in the kingdom of God, and Jesus shows us something radically different. He shows us something that is, that is much more significant. That in this world, what we're going to see is that the kinds, of, uh, the kinds of resources that we have can be leveraged beyond this world. And ultimately, as we think about this, um, let me give you two tips. As you begin to think about leveraging your resources um, towards the kingdom of God, and you begin to think about what it looks like for you to be generous, one, let me tell you this, um, give as a priority. As you begin to think about how you orchestrate your finances, when you begin to say, okay, I'm going to give to God and to others first, that begins to define the state of your relationship with money. Number two, give as a percentage. One, give as a priority. Two, give as a percentage. If you think about where you are now and where you are in the ten, next 10 years, likely your, your next 10 years are going to have much more significance in terms of your income and your growth in your income, probably for all of us, right? And as we think about what that means for us, for us to be able to think about the percentage that we give, as we um, increase in our uh, ability to have money, um, may we increase or continue to increase in our ability to, to be generous in that as well. So final thoughts. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Um, all of this uh, is done by the generosity of others. All of this, we don't sell a product. There's nothing that we make money on. Uh, everything that we do in Resonate Church is, is really oriented around the generosity of others. And, and so that's, that's a fact. Um, and today, as we think about talking about money, um, we are more concerned about you being generous than if you're even just generous towards your local church. You might think it's weird that we're talking about giving. If you think that's weird that we're talking about giving, um, give somewhere else or, or in another place for your giving. I, I want you to get our heart is for what Jesus' heart was. Our heart is for your heart. That as you begin to think about this, you need to give because you have a need, not because other people have a need. And you'll be, you know, all, we give sometimes when we hear needs around us, but I want you to get the habit of giving, the priority of giving comes from an orientation of the kingdom of God and the orientation of your heart, like that you need to give because it's in the best interest of who you are. And so here's the desire that I have for our church. It is the desire that goes all the way back to the recognition of the most generous thing that has ever happened to you and to me is the gift of Jesus Christ. It is a free gift given to us that we did not do anything to earn. That generosity has been given towards us. The other reality is this, is that we are people who, because of Jesus Christ, we understand that this life is not all there is. And that, in fact, eternity counts more than this life, right? That what we do in this life really affects eternity. 
And we put those two things together and it should have a very different understanding of our, of our resources, that we are people of generosity for the sake of the kingdom, that reject the assumption of consumption, that we begin to operate in a way where we begin to display the kind of realities that the church has displayed over the last two millennia, which is this, that when we live in an orientation for the kingdom, our hearts are changed. We begin to have our hands opened to our money and we begin to reflect the generosity of Jesus to the world around us. We embody this in the tangible, trackable way that our hearts are oriented to Christ, that our giving is an act of worship to Him, and it is a reality that we can begin to live in the fullness of Christ, where we begin to open up every part of our life and say, Jesus, take control of this. And when we do, what happens is the church is known for its generosity, that we are people that are known not from what we get and what we try to take for ourselves, but what we give. And this is what looks so different than the world around us, is our relationship to money. And so Jesus says, I'm not after your money, I'm after your heart. I'm after what it looks like for you to be able to look towards the world around just like I did and say, how do I meet needs? How do I bless the world around me? So may this be a part of Resonate Church. May we be a generous people and may we do it out of our love for Christ. Let me pray for us. God, help us to be able to recognize our need for generosity, our need to disrespect money, our need to be givers so that we can understand what we have been given, our need to understand how greed can, can put its tentacles into our hearts, allow us to understand that we are managers of what has been given to us. And so allow us to live in freedom and contentment not bound to this reality of money and consumption, but freed to live in a way of generosity towards others. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.